going to spend a little time talking about economic realities in our country and, in fact, around the world. But uh, just this morning, Stats Canada released the latest uh, numbers on GDP in Canada. And, boy, things are rolling right along. The economy grew at an annual rate of 5.4% in the third quarter, which is faster than economists had expected. And real gross domestic product looks to have gone up again in October, too. Um, and uh, it looks like, according to the experts, we are in the final stages of a recovery from the pandemic. However, they say growth in the coming quarters could slow because of the floods in British Columbia. The new Omicron variant could also cause economic headwinds. And as we all know, supply chain problems. We've talked about that before. They're not getting any better. Um, let's get some details on maybe this is something we're just going to have to get used to. Could that be the reality we're in? We're going to chat with Brian Milner, who's a former senior economics writer and global markets columnist for the Globe and Mail. Brian, thanks for joining us. appreciate your time today. Happy to be here, Shane. You know, if I think back to even just a year ago, supply chain wasn't something I even knew much about or thought about ever, and now everybody's talking about it. And really, I mean everybody. It's pretty hard to find a sector or a person who doesn't have a story about how this supply chain disruption has affected them, is it? I'll say, and in fact, uh, of course, uh, we never thought about supply chains before, and we weren't supposed to. Uh, everything was very efficient. Everything got to where it was supposed to go. Uh, prices were cheap, and uh, and uh, companies were very happy with this system because it didn't cost them nearly as much money as it would have if they were making everything from scratch. Uh, that all changed. Uh, that all changed with the beginning of the pandemic and has gotten worse ever since. And, you know, I think you're right when you say none of us thought about it. We weren't supposed to think about it because there was a system in place and it worked. But I remember, you know, back uh, in the spring of, I guess, 2019 or whatever, 2020, I guess, uh, walking into the grocery store and for the first time in my life, the shelves were bare in some areas. Nothing there. It didn't it didn't take a whole lot to sort of knock our security with the supply chain for a bit of a loop back at the beginning of the pandemic. It showed just how vulnerable it can be, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in, in the food distribution uh, part of, of things, uh, they have no uh, extra capacity. So uh, if your local supermarket started running out of things, it couldn't just uh, send uh, a truck to the warehouse to pick up more. It has to... It's basically all just-in-time delivery. Uh, when that delivery was uh, was affected and when the demand was enormous, and people, remember, started cleaning out shelves of groceries long before the, the first lockdowns, before yeah. mask mandates, any of that stuff. But that was all panic buying, and, and it, it did subside fairly quickly. Um, you know, producers said, don't worry, you're not going to run out of toilet paper. You're not going to, we're not going to run out of flour. But in fact, uh, producers had to change some of the things they, they did to keep that from happening. For instance, a lot of food manufacturers said, we better stop production of, of some things that aren't as popular because we don't have as many workers. Some of our plants have been shut down by the pandemic. And uh, we're just going to focus on the three or four main things that uh, where demand has always been highest, and that's what happened. Yeah, and we saw that. We're still seeing that. And that's the question. Like you say, that initial panic and the shortages that we saw went away relatively quickly, and we got back on track, especially in grocery stores. But now we're seeing all kinds of new problems arise with our supply chains on just about everything else. Um, and again, it's the pandemic that's at least a major part of that, right? I mean, we're seeing it right across everything. 
That's right. And of course, uh, in, in the case of Western Canada, it's not just the pandemic. Sure. As we saw, the extreme weather events, uh, the horrible flooding in B.C., what, what happened? It cut off road and rail access. It, it, it basically shut the port of Vancouver. And well, all the food items uh, we import from Asia uh, come through that port uh, pretty much. So all of a sudden, there was a shortage of supply in the chain, the supply chains. And, uh, and Alberta and Saskatchewan uh, agricultural producers couldn't get their stuff out. So it really has caused huge problems in, in the regional supply chain and even nationally. And that's going to take months and months to clear up, even well after uh, roads and rail links are restored. And that's the issue, right? We keep talking about the recovery and getting back to quote-unquote normal. Um, we've got so many problems right now that we've identified with our supply chain. What kind of things do you think need to be dealt with and, and possibly may not be dealt with? I mean, where are we in terms of the supply chain today and where it's headed? Well, this, the supply chains will be rebuilt, uh, and especially the regional ones. They're, they're not going to take a ton of work, uh, but they have to uh, deal with the a, the shortage of labor, which is a critical problem, especially in agriculture. And they also have to deal with uh, uh, the transportation part of it all, which means they, they have to get more more trucks on the road, and they have to be able to get stuff to where it needs to go, especially the, the, the main shipping ports. Uh, that will be cleared up. There's, there's no question about that. But they have to make these supply chains way more resilient. They have to build in more distribution capacity. They actually have to do what Amazon does. I mean, Amazon has largely avoided most of this stuff because they have massive warehouses full of supplies. So people who couldn't get, uh, I don't know, uh, pasta on their shelves in their local grocery store, they could actually go on Amazon and order this stuff, and it would still come the next day. Uh, that's a huge investment that that company made in in its distribution. And I'm not saying that uh, your local Safeway or Loblaws is going to do the same thing, but they definitely need to have uh, a much better source of supply for for those critical moments. You know, you mentioned Amazon, and you're right. I mean, they were sort of custom-built for a pandemic, it seems. But some of the other biggest giants around the world, Toyota, Apple, some of these other massive companies that basically have their own supply line systems, they were sent for a loop. They, they were, and, and part of that is is that everything in, in the manufacturing end of things is absolutely just in time. So, so Apple keeps nothing in, in stock. I mean, the reason Apple is one of the world's most profitable companies is that they don't spend any money uh, storing inventories and warehouses they get stuff to the market as fast as they can they have the highest turnaround of any manufacturer in the world from the time the good is made to the time it's sold uh, that's what made apple so wealthy and uh, to do that they they shipped out parts and and distribution and assembly to more than 40 countries around the world so you might have a part made in say uh Malaysia, and then it'll go to China where it's assembled into something else, and then that assembly will go to another country and then back to China, and then uh, on its way to uh, to North America or Europe. And, and that's a complicated system, but it was always very efficient and really cheap until the pandemic hit. Um, so 
where do we go from here? I mean, is this what we should expect going forward? As you said, some of these companies, they pivot, they react pretty quickly, and we saw a lot of things sort of come back online. But going forward in terms of supply chains and supply lines and what we're used to, um, are we going to learn from this or are things going to be forever different? Oh, I, th- I think the apples of the world have already learned that they have to they have to make these supply lines a more resilient. They have to build in redundancy. Uh, they have to get alternative sources of supply. Uh, that's going to cost them more money, but they'll probably also move more production closer to home, which will reduce transportation bottlenecks and uh, and make it uh, easier to deal with these crises. But of course. Uh, costs will go up, and when costs go up, it's you and I who will pay for that, not the manufacturer. Exactly, yeah. So we may get what we want, it's just going to cost us more. That's right, and we (laughs) may have to get used to that in the future, uh, because as we've discovered, just about everything we use has bits of it that come from way far away and, and are subject to the risks that we see. So so, you know, GM and and Ford couldn't assemble their cars because they were missing these chips, chips that run all these systems. And those chips in cars, they use the cheapest forms because they don't need the most sophisticated chips. So those chips cost like pennies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and all of a sudden, you, you can't build a $30,000 car because you're missing that one little piece that makes all these systems inside your car run. So they've had to develop alternative methods to get around that problem. Yeah, and we all know, I mean, that's been just, and that's affected so many sectors too. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's upheaval. Uh, sometimes good things come of it, and hopefully, and, and as you say, these this is what they do. Supply chain is what these people are the best at. So uh, it may cost us more, but we'll get what we need. That's right. And and also, we're, we're going to see national security come into this. So more countries are going to make sure that the critical stuff is made closer to home and under more control, which actually could be beneficial yeah. to Canada because because we produce a lot of the raw materials that, that have been shipped overseas for production. And, and if we start having a more North American-centered supply chain system, uh, that helps will help Canadian industry. Excellent. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Happy to do it, Shay. Thank you very much. That is Brian Milner who is a former senior economics writer and global markets columnist for the Globe and Mail.